This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 175. What a joy this episode was. I got to hang out with my friend Keegan to talk about navigating respectful parenting as a dad. One thing that we have found in doing this work is that so often the folks coming to the table to have these conversations are moms. And in this episode, we're talking about dads, and it's a pretty heteronormative conversation. I want to be really clear about that going in. We talked about the differences that dads face in respectful parenting in hetero relationships. I think it's really important for us to have specific conversations about certain groups of people and how they're affected in the parenting world. My friend Keegan runs Dad Guild here in Vermont, which is an incredible organization that I've had the pleasure of working with and doing a workshop for that was specifically for dads. And I'm so excited to share Keegan with y'all today. Before we dive in, I want to let you know that we're doing a free challenge on co-parenting with someone who has a different approach than you do and how to respond with intention in those hard moments where your co-parent might be responding to your kiddo in a way that might be triggering for you or doesn't align with your value system or is simply different than how you would do it. This is something we get so many questions on. So we put together a free five-day challenge. I am dropping a video every single day, Monday through Friday, next week, and it's totally free, just guiding you through how to do this work. We did a self-reg challenge back in January that folks loved. We had thousands of people from all around the world join that one, and I'm so excited to drop this one as well now. Diving into this work with you guys is my favorite. So head on over to www.seedandso.org slash challenge to sign up. Again, it's totally free. Come join us for next week's challenge. I can't wait to hang out with you guys there. All right, buckle up for this episode. It was such a fun one for me to do with Keegan. Let's dive in. (laughs) 
Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today I get to hang out with a friend that I haven't been able to hang out with in a little bit, thanks COVID. But today I get to hang out with Keegan, who is a rad human that I got to connect with here in Burlington and do a little work with. And I'm jazzed to get to do some more work with. Keegan, you're one of those humans that like, every time I get to hang out and chat, I just leave feeling like fired up and excited. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the real reason you brought me on here today? That's it. It was selfish. It was fully selfish. <laughs> uh, how are you? You know, in this in this moment, I am I am good. You know, January felt a little a little rough. We uh, felt a little down, but you know, I think all folks at this point in the pandemic, in the winter, particularly those trying to raise children at the same time and work, I don't know of too many people who are doing really well. So, <laughs> totally doing okay. Yeah, our like, I feel like measurement for good or well has really changed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping a silver lining out of this pandemic is people will like honestly answer like, Hey, how you doing? They won't just get the generic good or fine. Like they'll be like, Hey, actually I'm not doing well today. And like, and that's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm here for that for sure. Will you share with our village a bit about just who you are kind of what brings you here? Yeah, sure. So I am the fatherhood program coordinator at the Family Room in Burlington, which is a parent-child center. And I'm also the founder and president of Dad Guild, a Burlington-based nonprofit organization that looks to support, empower, and connect fathers of young children. And, you know, I have two children. I have, I have two daughters, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And when I became a father back in 2016, I remember being like super jazzed about like, oh, what are the offerings out there for dads in our community? And, you know, I've watched a lot of like Full House and Family Matters growing up. And so I was like really eager to jump into like that world. And I was really shocked, uh, you know, in Burlington, Vermont, like there wasn't much going on. And there's a lot of stuff out there for for mothers, which is awesome. And there needs to be more. And I was surprised that there just there wasn't really much for dads. And so that kind of became, I, I you know, I noticed the need and noticed the passion. And, you know, over the past gosh, four and a half years now, I've kind of like made up my quest to really develop a supportive community of fathers and just making sure that there's opportunities for dads to be pulled in to the child upbringing process and that it's not all left up to primarily mothers and that, you know, we're, you know, we're not just expecting dads to show up, we're really reaching out, pulling them in and providing really cool, unique opportunities to do so. Yeah. I'm so here for it. And, you know, I have so much compassion for dudes who are raising kids because I feel like we now our generation is like hey we want you to be really involved we want this to be a partnership we want you to co-parent and we didn't give you any tools to do that right like we have we've dramatically shifted the expectations of dads from our parents to now what we're expecting in our generation and I really feel like there hasn't been support, not even just like once you're a dad support, but even leading up to that, like 
even things as simple as like how many of the dads today had a doll to play with when they were growing up, you know, like so many things that we do, I think for women, when we're looking at a binary here to like support them in nurturing and caregiving and building a toolbox for this. And then we like thrust dads into it and we're like, why aren't you doing this right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so true. And like, you know, pri <clears throat> prior to getting involved in the fatherhood work, I was an educator and worked with uh, adolescents in, in a variety of settings over the past 15 plus years. And a, a part of the focus of my work was helping young men examine what masculinity means in our society and what does it mean to be a man? And you're totally right. We're like, you know, one of my, some of my favorite activities would be the like, you know, going into stores and looking at movie covers and just kind of like really dissecting media and just kind of what's around us of like, hey, what messages are we getting that we might not pause and really look around and think about like, and that you're totally right where, you know, the idea of like what it means to be a man is, is, you know, macho, you know, you're not talking about how you're feeling. Uh, you're not, you know, you're not super connected to like bringing up kids, you're not soft, you're working and, you know, how success is defined. And, mm -hmm. and you're right where it's, it's like the expectation has shifted over the past few decades, which is great. But there's no like, hey, guys, here's how you do it. Like, here, here's, here's the handbook of how to get more involved. Or like, here's the handbook to like, get in touch with your emotions. And I think, I think we're shifting in that direction. But I think there's a lot of guys still who are like, you know, they, they might want to be involved more, but they're just like, they're really confused. It's like, hey, society's been telling me this all my life. And now I'm being expected to, you know, be more engaged with my family and my children, uh, which is awesome. But like, I don't even know where to begin. I don't, I don't have a, the, the Facebook group to jump onto and like, you know, pull my community of dads to ask them like, you know, what they're doing with this and how they're doing. And yeah, we just, we need more resources. You know, I think dads need to step it up a little bit. And I also think we need to step it up a little bit as, as a society around how we are engaging dads and pulling them into the process. A thousand percent. And I think your work and um, focus on masculinity is so important because so much of this work involves vulnerability, which hasn't in the past been viewed as a strength, you know, or as masculine. And it is vulnerable to say, this is really triggering for me, or I don't have the tools for this. And it's a, such a, like, that's, that's the way in, I think for so many of us is being like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do with this crying child. And I am not feeling good about how I'm responding or whatever. And that in and of itself is so vulnerable to be able to do. Mm -hmm. And I am curious for you growing up, like as a boy, turning into this now man who is comfortable with vulnerability, at least from my perspective, how'd you get, how'd you do that? How'd you get there? <laughs> what did that shift look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I you know, <clears throat> I, you know, I look back and like, I had, I had very accepting and supportive parents, like who, you know, I, I don't think ever tried to box me in or, you know, the, the idea of like being tough was like, you know, never a thing. Uh, I know I, I, I'll be honest. I did watch like so many Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. And I was reflecting, I was like, I think I was like watching Robocop and Terminator when I was like five years old. And like, meanwhile, like my four-year-old can't finish watching Moana without like <laughs> hiding under the blankets. And so like, and I played a lot of violent video games, but you know, I think I was really fortunate again, having supportive parents, uh, uh, you know, like a really kind, loving brother 
And the community I grew up in, I grew up in Meredith, New Hampshire, and I just really lucked out with the, the kids that I grew up around. And, you know, people were really friendly. And that's, I mean, I, I think I was, I was pretty isolated and protected from like the, some of the harsher realities of the world. Um, but, you know, whether it was that or watching a lot of TGIF as a kid, or like, um, I remember like, I remember getting really upset when people would like kill ants. Like I would like get really, I'd like cry and be like, stop it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know exactly what to attribute it to, but I think I was just, I grew up in an environment where I was really allowed to like, just be who I was. And I really don't remember feeling too much pressure on needing to perform in one way or fit into a box of any sorts. That's so nice. It's interesting. I was chatting with Zach, my husband, about this similar thing. You know, he he grew up in two different households and had three moms and a dad, has three moms and a dad. And so he grew up with a lot of feminine energy as well and a lot of like challenging gender norms and things like that. So um, I think that was unique in and of itself. But one thing that I noted that I've observed from him was that at home, this was very welcomed, right? Like feelings and uh, vulnerability and emotional expression. And he had like developed tools for how to not be vulnerable in the general public or in um, relationships with peers, et cetera. And uh, as we dove into it, he was talking about how like, yeah, the social programming, like outside of my, he was like outside of my house, like there was still the social programming of like, yeah, I don't want to get made fun of, or this is what would be like the reaction if I said, I feel sad or I'm crying in school or whatnot. And he was like, that fear of what might come if I did that was plenty for me to just be like, yeah, I'll just hold that right in, you know? Yeah. And I remember like plenty of times, you know, for me going through middle school and high school, I, I was the one who like, I always wanted a girlfriend, but, but I never, you know, I, I had one in sixth grade and like, that was it for me. Six. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so like in high school, I remember like, you know, that was such a big a thing for me. Cause I, I, you know, I wanted to like be in a relationship so badly, but I like, I think I lacked the confidence to like, you know, it, I had two, one, one perspective was like, Hey, if I'm not going to marry this person, like what's the, what's the point in like dating them as like 15 year old Keegan, like thinking this. Uh, and then, you know, the other part was just like a lack of self-confidence, I think. But then as a result, as other guys are kind of like checking off the like, Hey, this is the number of girls I've made out with over the past few months. And I'm like, I got a physical at my doctor's last month. Like that's, that's the extent here. Uh, and I was like fine with that. But then, you know, the names you get called, like the things that, you know, I think young boys in particular are. I think a lot of them are so insecure and like there's, they're so hurt and they're so confused and that any opportunity to like circle someone else and be like, Oh, this person is like less of a man than I am. Let's all target them. And like, and, and these were my friends. And like, yeah. so it was like, it really, you know, it was, it was hard. Uh, I didn't get it all the time, but like, you know, I definitely would like, I remember like crying on the sports bus, like coming home from games at times. And like, yeah, it's like, it's really, you no 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 young boy wants to be that person and totally yeah yeah and I feel like so many of the dads today grew up with that right as the like there are these markers for how you show up and what you can express and what's comfortable and you know I I think about like if we were raising a boy I definitely have fear around, I don't want you to be the guinea pig. (laughs) 
I, I want you to be vulnerable and live with emotional intelligence and know that there will be times where that's harder for you because you might be the target of being picked on for this or that or whatever. And, and I, I grew up in a really masculine environment. I have four brothers and it was really like sports dude heavy. And I was always referred to as emotional and dramatic because I expressed emotions (laughs) and I, yeah, I guess like I, I feel those wounds of like growing up in a masculine environment and expressing and have fear around like, what would that look like for our tiny human growing up? That definitely comes up for me. And I'm, I wonder if it comes up for other folks who were raised in a situation where they weren't able to express without being made fun of or being called some sort of name that typically meant that they were feminine, which was meant to be demeaning a whole other can of worms. But yeah, I guess I'm wondering for folks who might be like, yeah, I don't want my kid to get made fun of, or I don't want them to get picked on. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns and it came in the mail and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their Lux women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is, it is so challenging. And my, my oldest daughter, Coraline, who's, she's over four and a half now. 
and like you know she's just this like she's like the funniest like silliest sweetest kindest child and like you know she definitely like my raises my blood pressure from time to time but like there's this innocence in like children that you're like oh my gosh like how do we how do we how do we keep this like how do we keep this innocence within you and it breaks my heart thinking about you know her going into you know as she gets older and just being aware of the of the social pressures that are going to surround her and like you know what are the expectations I'm having of her and what are the tools I want to give her and like you know we have lots of conversations around like you know, how to stick up for yourself, stick up for others. How do you like, what kind of language you're using? How are you taking care of yourself? Like all of these things that like, she's really buying, like she, you know, she buys into and, and I think they work pretty well. But when you start, like you say, when you start, be, you know, you enter uh, grade school and then you become, if that's not the norm, because it really depends on like, you know, what environment are you in? What other kids are around you? And if that's not the norm and, and if kids are like eager to, you know, find someone to pick on and, and, you know, come together and, you know, and bully or tease, it breaks my heart, like thinking like that might be my daughter. And then just like, and how, how do you help them through that? Yeah. And like, is that like, oh gosh, it is really challenging to think about. Cause you're like, it's not selfish because like this, like, you know, and in my years of experience is like, this is the way how you do this. The, the biggest problem is that like, that kind of journey and that kind of work like isn't necessarily normalized uh mm-hmm. and this is it's just it's not the thing that we do i work with dads who like you know i teach them the importance of like some of these guys who have like never opened up before and talking to them about how important it is to like talk to someone about how you're feeling and they look at me and they're like they're like dude if i go out and hang out with like the, my friends on the streets and i'm talking like you're talking to me they're going to like laugh at me or punch me or something. So it's the like, oh yeah, how, how can I expect, how can I expect someone to like, you know, use these strategies and use these tools if the environment that they're in is like not conducive and supportive of it? Yeah, I think that's a huge challenge. I was coaching a couple recently and the, it's a heterosexual couple and the dad is in a really masculine work environment and similarly was like, yeah, I can't do this at work. Like this is not, this would not fly at work. And so I was like, what would it look like to be doing this at home, to be doing this in partnership, to be doing this in parenthood and to still be able to code switch and not do it at work? You know, like, I think it's okay to, to wear different hats here and that it doesn't have to be that one size fits all of like, well, if I'm going to be really vulnerable and open about my feelings, I have to do it in every space. I think the reality is, especially for guys still today, it's not safe to do in every space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I'm noticing is that, and, and dad guild, we run like a lot of groups and a lot of like community building. And what I notice, because one of the things we try to do is like make it cool in that, like, you know, I think, I think these days, if you're like, Hey dads, come on. And like, let's all talk about our feelings together. I've, I've, a lot of my friends are like, yeah, no, that's, that's not my thing. But if you're like, you know, pre COVID when it's like, Hey, okay, how about this? Come play video games at the bar and have a beer. And all of a sudden, if you're like, okay, cool, I'll do that. <clears throat> and then when they show up, you know, within like 20 minutes, you'll see five of them circling up talking about how tough it is with their kids sleep schedule right now. And you're like, Haha, I tricked you. <laughs> I got you here. Now we're doing you're, it. You're doing it. And then what I'm finding is that, you know, when guys start doing it more and more, 
more often than not, I'm, I'm hearing this phrase of like, like, I didn't know I needed something like this, mm-hmm. or like, I knew something in my life, like I needed something, but like, I didn't even know something like this existed. And it's been, you know, for me, like, you know, my backgrounds in like nonprofits and like social work and mental health. And this has kind of been like a norm. Like we're always talking about how we're feeling. And then it's just kind of like this reminder of like, oh, that's not the norm. Like a lot of folks and a lot of men in particular, like aren't talking about how they're feeling and that like, you know, we're just, we're just putting weights on the scale one at a time. And that like, you're right where like, you can't expect an entire workplace that's very like, uh, has a very like hegemonic masculine uh, uh, feel to it to all of a sudden change. But if you can kind of like start kind of nudging people in that direction and start like, you know, making these kinds of conversations and groups and experiences the norm, recognizing it's just, it's going to take a lot of time, but you know, you're just kind of pushing the scale in the other direction and just hoping that like one day, like, we'll we'll get there. Yeah, I'm here for it. When I I had the privilege of doing pre-COVID a an in-person workshop with you guys with Dad Guild, mm-hmm. and it was dads only, and we filled it up. There was like a wait list. We filled it up immediately, and I was shocked. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then I started getting these emails from female partners for the first time I've ever done workshops. Uh, I've done so many in-person workshops. So the first time ever, female partners were emailing me saying like, my husband or my partner's coming to this and I'm really excited. Here are some things I'd like you to cover. Like here are his trouble areas. <laughs> and we had to create like a message, like an email response within seed because we were getting so many of them. And I was, I was like, oh my gosh, ladies, uh, it was wild. And I was like, can you imagine if you were going to a parenting workshop and your husband reached out to me and said, Hey, this is awesome that she's going, she could really use this work. Uh, here are the areas I'd like you to cover that she's really struggling with. Like, how would that feel? And it was wild to me, but what was really, really cool about this workshop was how engaged everyone was, right? Like sometimes it's getting people in the room. Like you were saying, maybe it's uh, having a beer and playing video games. Uh, Maybe it's your partner signing you up for a workshop with me. But then once people were in the room, it was so engaged. We had to like kick people out at the end. There was a line for questions. Like, I, I think you're right. Like folks are hungry for this and want these spaces to do this work. And that's really exciting for me. Yeah. I'm, and like, you know, I think about those, those emails that like partners were sending out and like, you know, that part, like how, how well-intentioned it is and how it's like, you know, for me, it's like identifying like, Hey, here, here is a challenge that my partner has. And like, I really hope you can cover this because I know he needs support in this. And it's like, that's awesome that you're, you're thinking about this and you're caring about this. And let's also think about like, process and like, you know, expectations that we're setting up and like, you know, what, what is the point of this workshop? And I remember that night really well. And I was like, you know, super appreciative of, you know, you coming and doing that and building bright futures for sponsoring it. And I think there was, there was 30 dads. We, we had to cap it off because it was in a classroom in a, in a middle school and there was 30 dads who showed up. It was a Tuesday night and it was a potluck. So everyone was like, people like brought meals and stuff. And it was like super cool. It was like, oh my gosh, this is like, these guys are super engaged. And you're right. We did have to like, hey, we have to stop and go. Um, and, you know, one of the things that like, that speaks to me about is that, you know, we have these opportunities where you have, you know, workshops that are just like, hey, this is for all parents and all caregivers. Uh, we have this, these play groups, we have these community spaces, all parents, all caregivers. And which is great, because I think there's this intent, there's, you know, there's, there's an intention to try and be inclusive. 
And from what I, what I still see is that the reality is that those spaces are still typically like, you know, 90 plus percent moms, which is like understandable and it's okay. And I'm so happy those spaces are there and I'm so happy mothers are, are doing it. That's so awesome. And I think, but I think like to be like the dude who walks into like a group of 20 women and be like, I'm going to like join this group. It just, it takes a certain breed of guy. I think some guys are like super comfortable with that. And I think a lot of guys are like, Ooh, no, this is not my space. And so I think, you know, the fact that 30 guys showed up and we had to like, you know, we had to cap it, you know, to me, that just speaks to like how hungry, like guys actually are. And this kind of goes back to like, the, how, are you, how are you creating spaces that are meeting guys where they're at? And how are you really normalizing positive fatherhood engagement? That again, it's just like really meeting them where they're at. And yeah, that was just such an awesome night. Totally. And I think it's interesting, you know, I think for guys, especially, especially white dudes, that this may be the first time where they aren't in the majority in a group where they aren't walking into a space where they feel super comfortable, where, you know, this is something that for women, so many of us have been like the only one on that, in that boardroom or the only one in that group or the only one at that table. And we've had to navigate that or folks of color, et cetera. And for dads, I think this could be for a lot of us, again, especially white dads, the first time where they're like, oh, I'm outside my comfort zone. Usually like I have power control in a situation and I don't feel that here. Um, and I think that's interesting to like, just see unfold. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it brings, it can bring up a lot of discomfort in guys, which I agree, which I think, you know, you, you don't see them in a lot of those places. And then I also like, you know, I've heard from some folks too, who, some thoughts around, you know, because the the parenting world typically is pretty mother focused and, and a lot of, you know, it's, it's predominantly mothers who are, who are making up that world, that there's also this idea, and I thought a lot about that, it, it is this kind of like safe space for, for women to be. And, yeah. you know, and then the idea of like, you know, living in a patriarchy and to have, you know, men are dominating all these aspects of society. And now here they are like, sneaking into like the parenting world is kind of like, Hey, wait a minute, like stay, stay out of here. Like we don't want you in here. I haven't got like, I, from mostly I've had people like really open arms, like, yes, we want, we want guys yeah. more in, involved. Cause you know, I recognize that this isn't just like a, you know, empowering men, empowering fathers, getting dads more engaged. These are, these are community health issues, you know, children, uh, children succeed much, uh, like much higher rates if they have a dad who's positively engaged. You look at things like gender equity and like the, the, the pay gap and how when dads aren't involved, who ends up being, you know, I know recognize it's, it's a lot of times it can be a choice. And also a lot of times like, you know, mothers do fall into like the, I'm the one who stays at home. Dad's the breadwinner. He stays out working. And so it just kind of like perpetuates that system as well with gender inequity. And so recognizing that like, hey, if we can like, you know, get more guys involved here, like, you know, that can create more opportunities for, you know, for women to, you know, maybe explore life outside the household more if, if they choose to. But yeah, really just recognizing like this isn't this our, our communities and our world is a much better place when dads are empowered, supported and engaged in the child upbringing process. Totally, totally. And I'm curious for you, so so often what we'll hear on our end within the village and in, at Seed doing this work is this like resistance to letting go of control that I've heard a lot of moms be like, yeah, it's really hard for me to say like, I'm going to step back and let him do this in a way that isn't exactly how I would do it or that mom feels like, 
she gathers all the data. She follows the Instagram account. She reads the book. She does the podcast. And then she's the deliverer of the parenting information. And it, I think, can create this system where it's like, well, I'm in charge. Sure, I want to hear your opinion a little bit, but like, I'm in charge of this at the end of the day. It's my decision. And I, I need you to make the decision that I want you to make. And so much of our work at Seed right now is focused on like, how do we bring awareness to this? as women, again, in this binary of like, if, if we do want to share these tasks and we want to share the like duty of raising the tiny humans, that it's not a hundred percent going to be in our control anymore. Yeah. I think that like, you know, when you're raising children or when you're, you know, I mean, raising children is a, is a job. I mean, and like when you're doing a job in the workplace, like at some point you have to like be okay that even though like you know, Greg over there may not be doing it the way that you would want to do it. Uh, and it's not your favorite, but like, you still have to like, you know, you can talk about it, but like also let him do things his way. And like, you know, you do things your way. So there's, yeah, there's a part of that. Like, how do you kind of give up some control and allow this person to like, you know, parent in their own way. And, you know, I think that that really interesting point that you brought up around, you know, how mom might be in like, you know, on these Instagram feeds, on Facebook, in the parenting class, in the groups. And it's just getting like so much information and so much great information. And then, you know, she becomes the like, this is our plan. And then dad is the like, all right, just, you know, give me the Cliff's notes of it. Tell me what I got to do. And like, even if like the, even if his intention is in the right place and his heart's in the right place, like that's not a recipe for success. Uh, I, I fell into this with my partner uh, who I love so dearly. And she, she was doing this like program, like a positive parenting program. and was like, and she's like, yeah, we should do this. And I'm like, you know, if you want to watch your videos, like, you know, go for it. And then like, you know, just let me know and I'll just, we can just do it. And I learned like maybe like a week into it that like, that was, that was not a good idea. Cause like, cause like then she was doing these things and then I was like trying to, but I wasn't really getting the full grasp. And like, it just, it led to more conflict because it was just really hard to get on the same page. And so you know, I think part of the, like the, you know, yes, you know, uh, in these binary relationships, mothers kind of like, you know, giving up a little bit of control and also kind of going back to like, hey, creating more spaces for dads to like, you know, if for a dad to jump into a group or a community and to kind of like bounce ideas and get perspectives, like in our dad guild Facebook group, like there's so many like guys who come in and be like, hey, I got this question with this going on. I got this going on. And like guys start chiming in. And then we have these like weekly Zoom calls where like 10 to 15 dads jump on and like people are like just brainstorming ideas. Uh, and like, it's really cool to like hear, you know, for dads, you see dads coming in and like seeking the perspectives of others. Cause I think that's, that's not a norm and there aren't really communities for dads to do that. I a thousand percent agree. And, you know, we opened up the membership and it was interesting. We were like, please bring partners. You can both share a login, like Netflix style. You can both do these courses together. You can both engage in the community in the same way. And overwhelmingly it's moms and it's moms engaging as women. And so we were like, okay, back to the drawing board. How do we get more dads involved? And so for June, we're opening the membership for a week, which was unplanned. And it's truly focused on like co-parenting and bringing more partners into this work. And for us at Seed to do a better job of making sure that our content and our support is around how to bring partners into this work, how to collaborate in co-parenting. Yeah. So it's opening up for a week, truly focused on that. And then our content following that and the membership 
is really focused on like, all right, now you're in here. How do you do that? Like, what does it look like to collaborate in this work? And how do you get started? And what can we create as spaces that can be welcoming, that you can feel cozy, even if you just want to be an onlooker for a little bit and you're not ready to like post a question or a comment, like, fine. You want to just like take in the information. Great. But getting folks cozy in the membership that aren't just women. It's, and I, and I appreciate those efforts. Cause I, I do think in terms of like, you know, when you're in a family and you're trying to raise children and you're trying to get on the same team, I, I think it's so important for both parents or, you know, however the family system looks for all caregivers to be engaged in the process that they're, that they're, you know, going to webinars, they're reading articles, they're reading books, they're discussing these things. They have communities that they're bouncing these ideas off of. I think it's really important that there are opportunities across the board for folks. And something that, you know, I've experienced in, with Dad Guild is that, you know, we have, we have a community of like, I think it's like a little over 400 dads of young children in the greater Burlington area now who are connected to Dad Guild. And which has been really awesome to see. And, you know, I, I still have, I have a, you know, I have good friends who have small children and and don't come to things or they might come to something once in a blue moon, but it's just, you know, it's, it's not a priority for them. And that's something that like, I used to take really personally of like, oh my gosh, like, Hey, like you're my bud. Like, why aren't, why aren't you coming out to this? And quickly realized that like, you know, for a lot of guys, like there's just some really different comfort levels there, whether it's like, Hey, you know, learning about parenting stuff. That's not my, that's not my jam. Or, you know, the idea of like that possibility of like things getting vulnerable, like just be like, nope, not that's can that can stay away. Or even just the social anxiety of like, you know, especially as adults, like to go into a space where there's, you know, 10 people there and you don't really know anyone and you're gathering, you're the reason you're gathering is because you're all dads. I think it's like a really scary place for guys to be. And so that's something that like, you know, we're always brainstorming of like, hey, how do you make these spaces and environments as like welcoming and as like fun and like non-threatening as possible? And I think, you know, I, I am a firm believer in the like, if you can just continue to grow the community that you do have and continue to build build awareness and make partnerships and just keep on getting more materials out there and just like showing people that like, hey, this so it becomes the cool thing to do. So like, that's my hope is that you get to a point where like care providers are like, Hey, have you heard of dad guild? Like you, that's, it, it's not even like, you should check it out. It's just like, that's what all the dads do. Like, go, go do it. And that's the hope. And that it just, again, it just, it just takes a while. Yeah. I'm so here for it though. And I think you guys have done such a rad job of growing and being intentional with your growth and making sure you're being inclusive with your growth. And I'm excited to see it continue to flourish. I'm curious for you in partnership, you know, you mentioned the one instance where your partner was doing the like parenting class and you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep me posted. But outside of like that, like in terms of co-parenting, what have been the things that have come up for you as challenges, like as a dad navigating this space that, yeah, you have any like words of wisdom on like, we encountered this as a challenge I didn't see coming in me playing a really active role in fatherhood or really trying to do this in a respectful manner with kiddos. Yeah. Love to hear anything that has come up for you. Yeah. I think like I'm going to go off on my like 
first I'll start with my mental health advocacy piece that like both my partner and I have, you know, been in therapy for like three or four years now on a weekly basis. And it, it started off as couples counseling and we do that from time to time. And that like, so I will like, that's always a big thing for me is just like having outside support. I think that being in therapy and counseling, which I recognize can be like a, a, a pretty privileged thing to be able to access in our society. But if you do have the means to do it, it's how beneficial that is. And I think it's a really helpful tool just to like process these things and have like a, a, another, a third party present to kind of like help you navigate some of the stuff that inevitably comes up with, with parenting um, because you get into conflict with your partner. Like that, that happens. And, you know, some things that have come up for me is that like, you know, even when you read, you know, the books, like whether it's the sleep training or the potty training. And I think my partner has, uh, she tends to like really spearhead those things, you know, it's funny because I, as I'm talking, I'm like, yeah, here I am like the dad guild guy. And I'm also like, yeah, you read the book and I'll kind of like check it out. So like, which I think even like that's, that really speaks to like the, you know, the culture of like yeah. fathers and men around this kind of stuff. So that's, you know, that's, I, I recognize that's work in myself that I have to do because as a, as a partner to me, that must be frustrating. <laughs> and you're like, Hey, Keegan, just read the darn book. It's uh, <laughs> so like, we're all, we're all human and we're all working on these things. And then, you know, I think, you know, sometimes you, you do come to these like different philosophies of like, you know, my partner and I have discussed sometimes with our youngest daughter, two-year-old Penny, we're like, I'm, I'm a, a believer in the like, you know, when, you know, setting some pretty firm expectations with her and being like, hey, we got three books left. Hey, we got two books left. Hey, we got one book left. Hey, time to get into bed. I'm going to sing you your three songs. Good night. And like leave. And I think my partner is a little more of the like, you know, has a little more of that soft spot for when the kid, when, when she's like, I need you, mommy, of like, oh, let me give you one more hug. And like, sometimes I'm like, oh man, what are you doing? <laughs> but then I'm also like, hey, you know what? Like, that's, that's your connection. That's your bond. And like, the, you know, that's, that's your, your, your mother-daughter bond. And I have my father-daughter bond and they look very differently. And they look very similar a lot of time, but they also have their differences. And like, and that's okay. Like, you you shouldn't be doing things exactly the same like like I think you can have a like some philosophies that line up and like your practices but like you're gonna have a different relationship in that and that and that's totally okay and I think that's that's taken me a while to get to but yeah I think that's been one that comes up sometimes because I think that's something when like when I have a kid who's crying and I'm like trying to console them and they they're like crawling out for mommy and I'm just like it's like a pride thing. I'm like, no, I got this. Like, I'm like, and I, I'm like, I want to, I want to teach you that, like, I can get your needs met uh, to the point where they're like crying for mom. And I'm like holding and my partner's in the other room, just like, you know, just waiting to run in. And I remember like for a while, I'd get really upset. Like when she would come in, cause I'd be like, Hey, like, what are we teaching our children that like, they need you to console them. But then in this reality of like, dude, the kids too, like, like she, she stopped breastfeeding six months ago. Like, of course she wants her mom in times of distress. Like, don't take it personally. It's okay. And like, you know, hand off, but that's, that's, that's tough sometimes. Oh, so tough. <laughs> Such an ego hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're always like, I want to, I can do this. I can do this. And then to be like, I can't do this right now. And like, but just a reminder of like, it's not, it's not about you. It's, it's your yeah. kids. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey there, I'm popping in real quick to this episode to make sure that you know that the doors are open to the Village membership. We only open the doors a couple times a year so that we can onboard folks and dive into this work together. The doors to the Village membership are open until June 17th, so do not sleep on this. Come join us to have a village to turn to for support in this journey. You do not have to do this alone. And one of my favorite, favorite things about the Village membership is our app where people pop in with questions every single day looking for support or tools or resources on this journey. And we respond to every single one. It is the only place within Seed where you get direct access to the Seed team to make sure all your questions are answered. You get to lean on other people who are navigating these challenges too so that you know you aren't alone and bounce ideas off of each other. It's been incredible to see folks building relationships with each other, just really showing up for one another. It's been a few months since the last time the doors were open, and it's been incredible to see the growth with these parents inside the Village membership already. Folks share their wins constantly because we're there to guide you in doing this work. When you join the Village membership, you get weekly calls, weekly live Q&As with us. You get access to a monthly Zoom to just hang out. And every single week, we drop tangible things for you to focus on in your everyday life. You'll learn how to show up in a calm, regulated manner. You'll learn how to let go of the idea of being a perfect parent and know that it's okay to make mistakes along the way and how to navigate repair with your kids or with your partner or co-parent. 
This membership is for you if you really want to raise emotionally intelligent humans and you want support doing it. You want people to lean on and turn to, to have your questions answered. It's a space where you get to be in community with other people who are also doing this work. Come join our shame-free village membership at seedandso.org slash membership. You can join now through June 17th. After June 17th, the doors are closed. Come join us now at seedandso.org slash membership. I cannot wait to see you inside the village. Oh, that's so huge. And I love, love, love how you noted just that like, you know, in your boundaries example, that there can just be different approaches and really getting down to like, is this a core value that we're disagreeing on or not? Because if it's, mm-hmm. you know, giving one more hug before bedtime or whatever, like probably not a core value issue, just mm-hmm. a little different approach. And I think that those are huge to be able to examine and even to be able to sit down with a partner and say like, here are my core values. Like, what are yours? And to be, get real down and dirty with like, these are the like non-negotiables for me or the things that like are really important to me. Mm-hmm. And for you to be able to recognize like, and then what falls outside of that? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the stuff where I might do that differently, but it doesn't really come back to one of those core values. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's rad. All right, Keegan, in your dream world, what would it look like for dads as they move into parenthood? In my dream world, <clears throat> for dads as they move into parenthood, we need to provide supports for dads prior to kids being born. You know, that's something that I've noticed with with moms and this with my partner is that, you know, they start doing these like prenatal apo- appointments, prenatal yoga, breastfeeding classes, like they really start, there are these, there's so many opportunities for a community to be created. And there's, and then you're getting these constant messages. I mean, in addition to like, you're carrying a human inside your body, you are, you are 24 seven being like reminded of like what is coming. And as a, as a, as a father, that is not the case. Like you're not carrying a child. You are, um, you know, if you're, you're not able, you may not be able to make all the appointments or even some of the appointments or any of the appointments. You don't have like groups to go to. And so I think even prior to the kid is born, there's like nine months of like messaging being told like, who's, whose job is this? Whose role is this to raise this child? And so, you know, in terms of like a dream world is that we are uh, developing programming and opportunities and groups and messaging that's really meeting dads early on in this process and really kind of letting them know, hey, you don't have to wait for your kid to be born to be joining these communities and taking advantage of these opportunities. Like, this doesn't need to be a reactive response. We can be proactive about this. And then I also want to be working with, you know, I look in, in this area that <clears throat> I'd like to develop a stronger relationship with a medical center and about, okay, dads are for the for the most part are are there at some point in the birthing process and they're in the hospital how are we accepting and engaging them in that process i remember when my second child was born and it was like day three she had been in the NICU for a couple days and like we're just exhausted and one of like 
the teams comes in, they're like, all right, dad, come change the diaper. And I'm like, okay. And I change it. And you know, I, 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 I didn't do it properly. I didn't like totally clean up the diaper. And I remember the woman who was a higher, you know, ranking person at the hospital said, ah, like all you dads are the same. And I just remember like the fire in my eyes. I'm like, excuse me, like my kid's been in the NICU. I am tired. Like I'm, I'm trying to change a diaper in front of like seven women here at this moment in time. Yes, I'm not doing it correctly, but that like a comment like that, do you have any idea? Like, like here's a guy stepping up to the, like just, just trying and we're pushing him back. And you know, that kind of experience and from what I hear from folks is not, that's not a subjective experience. I think other folks also can feel that. And so I wanna look at like any point in the process, how are we making sure we're engaging dads? And then obviously when child is born, you know, how are we ensuring that, you know, dads aren't falling between the cracks and that we are providing a network of support for them. And I think that just really involves working closely with community partners and working with different communities. You know, I think in Burlington, a really fantastic community here, but obviously uh, how we've been successful here is not going to be is not the same way you're going to reach success in a, in a rural town or in another state. And then so, you know, we have a lot of ambitions to be working with different organizations and cities and towns around, hey, how can we do a strength-based approach based on your community and your population and your needs that can really meet dads where they're at? And how can you design something that can, you know, work in different locations? So I could talk a lot about my dream world for fatherhood support, but that's kind of like, like, you know, just a few little nuggets out there, but there's a, there's a lot that I could go on for hours about. So far, I'm just like, yeah, keep going, Keegan. <laughs> I'm, here, I'm here for it. Um, oh man, that NICU comment, woof. Because the reality is like, shame has never changed behavior ever, 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 ever. And it blows my mind how often we turn to it. Also in parenting, also just like across the board where it's like, man, whew. And so it, one of the things that came up for me when I was teaching in, I was teaching infants at the time and we used an app in my classroom to communicate, like instead of a daily sheet for childcare, we used an app to communicate diapers and bottles and sleep and all that jazz. And there was one family ever that dad would have who like checked the app and engaged as well and not just mom and our and the hetero families in our classroom and dad would like I would get a message it was like oh man I saw she took a short nap this morning like she feeling okay like they would check in or a drop off they like rotated who did drop off or pick up he would be like, yeah, she was up a couple of times last night, whatever, knew her. And it was wild in childcare how incredibly rare that was. That like dad knew how her overnight had been. He was using the app to like engage with us too, rather than get the information through his partner when they could both access the app on their phone. And it like really stood out to me. And I like right out the gates was like, you're the only dad in my teaching experience where this has been the case. And he was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. And I think that, it, you know, as you were chatting about like how early we lay that messaging, I'm like, God, you're so right. Like I did prenatal yoga and all these classes where I was building community all throughout pregnancy. So I entered into parenthood 
with a community of folks to call on. And Zach didn't have any of that, right? He wasn't in prenatal yoga. He wasn't in, sure. He like attended our breastfeeding class and whatever, but like all the places where I built community in pregnancy, he, there wasn't a space for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's um, wild. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And that like, and real quick, I just want to clarify that it was, it was not a uh, nurse in the, in the NICU who made the comment. It was, mm-hmm. it was someone back on the like regular floor. Uh, just don't want the NICU getting, getting any. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. NICU nurses, we love you. <laughs> yeah. um, so it makes me think too, like, so my partner in, in Burlington, there's um, Evolution Yoga, a yoga studio, and they, they have a really robust program for, you know, uh, prenatal and postnatal uh, programming and yoga and groups for, for moms and moms-to-be. And that was kind of where my, my fatherhood work started was my partner was doing this. And then I think there was a comment of like, yeah, we'd love to have like a dad group. And my partner was like, Stephanie was like, Hey, I think my, think my partner would be down for that. And so she asked me and I was like, yeah, like, that sounds great. Let's do it. And, and that's where things kind of started where we had a group that was nine months long. Uh, We met once a month, two hours, uh, once a month. And there were seven dads who came to it. And, you know, and it was, it was so funny because like, I think a lot of these guys like this didn't have places to talk about this stuff and pretty much every single one. Cause my, one of my first questions in the in day one was like, why are you here? And the, the most common response was because my, my wife made, oh, and you're no. like, and I remember being like, oh no, <laughs> no one, no one really wants to be here, but I'm, I'm a firm believer in the like, whatever got you in the door, you are here. And that's awesome. Like, good for you. And then by, by month nine, when we were wrapping up, the question that came up the most was like, what do we do now? Like, how do we keep this going? And that was really when I was like, oh, people are hungry for this. Like dads are like, there's just no opportunities. But when you create these opportunities and they're done in really intentional, meaningful, fun ways, guys like it. And so how do we, how do we keep doing this? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. What a cool group for, of course you were like, yep, I'm on it. (laughs) So you, um, we'll be the organizer. (laughs) That's awesome. I, that would be awesome. Like it's something I have, I've gone through evolutions classes. That's where I've done my prenatal yoga. And we have a coffee hour on Saturdays that again, it's open to anybody, but it's always moms or pregnant women And it is in it, honestly, a lot of the conversation is around like stuff to do with our bodies that it might not be fun for a dude to just sit and like, listen to. And I think that having, there is such a focus on like inclusivity in spaces. And I think that that's important too. And also I think it's okay to have separate groups. Like we have a mama's getaway weekend and people are like, is there a thing for dads? And I'm like, we would love to do a weekend for dads or for partners or something along those lines. And I think it's okay to have one that's specifically for moms, for us to have spaces where you can chat about the, the things that are unique to you in motherhood. Yes. And I think I've been having this conversation with a handful of folks lately around the like, you know, especially as there's been increased conversations around like, uh, you know, racial equity and mm-hmm. uh, how are we ensuring that, you know, we're providing uh, opportunities for everyone to get engaged in this kind of work, um, while also recognizing that there is an importance for affinity spaces. You know, when I think about like, 
um, going back to that earlier part in the conversation about how you know child upbringing has over you know historically has been predominantly a, a mother's world, and then you think about how many women have experienced trauma at the at the hands of men in a white supremacist patriarchy, a lot. And then so when you have these spaces that are really transformative and really meaningful for moms, and then you throw in a man, what does that do to the space? What does that do to the energy? And what does that do for people who have experienced trauma at the hands of men? And I think that's really concerning. <clears throat> and so it's that question of like, how do you, yes, how do you create inclusive spaces where people can, uh, you know, from all, you know, sexes, gender, sexual orientations can, can participate. And then how, but then also how do you create safe spaces for, you know, people, uh, you know, how they identify uh, or who they are and that there's a space for them to connect and gather. Cause like, yes, I think that there's a space for moms only. That's really important. Just like there's a, sp like there should be a space for dads only. Just like, I think there should be a space for black dads and black mothers and, you know, uh, LGBTQ families and grandparents and just like so many different varieties of caregivers. And that's a conversation we've had lately where, you know, we are a predominantly uh, white group of dads. And You're in Vermont? Weird. In Vermont? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're in, in Vermont. And, you know, that's an easy one to be like, yeah, you know, we're in Vermont. So it's, you know, it's, it's okay. Everyone, most people are white here, but it's like, yeah, but you're also like, what else, you know, you're not, you're missing something here. Mm -hmm. Like there's still like, there are, there are fathers who are people of color in our community who are not. Well, especially in our feminine. county. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think, you know, we've had conversations with, we've done, a, we've, you know, we're doing a lot of internal work and we've had conversations with folks around the like, you know, yes, you can create this inclusive space, but like, how do people really feel welcome there? And someone who has the identity of a black father and the trauma that they've experienced and, you know, stepping into a, a group that's mostly white men, like, what, is, what does that feel like? And so, you know, we're really examining like, how do we support and how do we engage in the work around creating different affinity groups and spaces for people with these different identities to meet and gather and support one another while also working together to ensure that everyone has equitable access to the same resources? And then how are we putting on events and groups and things together that, you know, are in inclusively minded? And so it's, you know, it's, it's a larger conversation that we're working on. But yeah, I think, you know, I think sometimes the word in like, Hey, let's just let's group's inclusive. Let's throw the word caregiver on it, and we'll we'll go with that. And it's like, yeah, it's great, and it's a lot deeper than that. And I yeah. think there's a lot more. It's it's not as simple as just throwing the word caregiver on and name up your playgroup. Totally, a thousand percent. Keegan, where can people find Dad Guild and learn more about your organization and the rad stuff you're up to? Yeah, so folks can go to dadguild.org. They can, you know, check out what we're up to. We have a newsletter you can access on there and just learn a little bit more about our organization. Um, we're on, we're, we have a growing presence on social media. So we are on Facebook and that's, and you can sign up for our newsletter on our website as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thanks for doing this work and navigating, oh, these conversations and uh, this, I, I think it's so tough because it's like the reality is it's going to be ongoing and it'll be a slower process than we ever want it to be ever, which is always like, that's the bane of my existence. It's like, why is everything happening so slowly? Uh, <laughs> but I like see day in and day out your commitment to it. And I'm so grateful. Well, and thanks so much for, for having me on the show today. And like, and 
yeah, I just really appreciate it. And it just like, yeah, it feels, I forgot we were even doing a show. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm just, I haven't seen Alyssa in a year. It's so nice <laughs> just talking to you. So I just really appreciate that the opportunity to connect to that. Same. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.